đời sông núi anh em ta đáp đời sông núi quyết bảo vệ sang sang ta thể chết cho quê hương at host my radio it's on on every monday and every friday and host my radio welcome to the show thank you Welcome to the 230th episode of Team Cat on My Radio. I never knew we can make it make it to 230. So, thank you so much for, you know, joining in and and basically listening in to what we're going to be talking about cuz it's going to be a lot of fun even though there's stuff going on in my life. So, hopefully you guys are able to enjoy all of these because it's starting to get cooler a little bit. Sonic quick get cooler. So hopefully you guys are staying safe. Hopefully you have your jacket ready, all your stuff ready. So that way you guys can actually stay warm. Cause it may not get hot soon. It may get cold. I heard it's gonna get cold next week. So hopefully you guys are staying absolutely safe. There's gonna be raining weather's coming up between Tuesday all the way down to Friday. So and all the way to Saturday. So you guys, hopefully you guys are having your your umbrella and everything ready. And we have a radio show today, which is great. We talk about um, the House Speaker's election, clothing, all this uh, stuff. Because we're not going to talk about the American pol- um, politics in the show. We'll talk, we usually talk about all this uh, stuff in the other show, in my radio show. So we're going to do, so we might as well do that. So we're gonna see how the elect the uh, speaker of the house election can be. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if anything changes. I don't know how, but hopefully something change. Let's so let's get let's not waste any more time. Let's get into our radio. Sh- let's get into our podcast. So make sure to tune in every Monday and Friday for our podcast. China's leader Xi Jinping announces. Over $100 billion new funding for the Belt and Road Initiative. Beijing will inject over $100 billion of new funding into its Belt and Road Initiative. Chinese leader Xi Jinping said Wednesday at a summit marking the vast infrastructure project's 10th anniversary. The Belt and Road is a central pillar of Xi's bid to expand China's clout overseas, with Beijing saying it has... N- has now inked over two trillion dollars in contracts around the world. Proponents hailed it for bringing resources and economic growth to the global south, but the initiative has also been slammed for set for saddling poor countries with enormous debt. Places, some places around Africa, I should say. She announced on Wednesday that key Belt and Road lenders. That China Development Bank and Export Import Bank will now offer an additional one hundred billion dollars in loans, and then eventually they're gonna be in debt again, and then have to repay that loan again. So that's on their that's on their problem, not mine. Both will set up financing opportunities of three of three hundred and fifty billion yuan, which is about forty seven point nine billion dollars in the U.S. for for the Belt and Road Initiative projects, he said. The additional 80 billion yuan will be injected into the project's official lending institution, the Silk Road Fund. 
she said. This week's forum, attended by representatives of 130 countries, is the third major summit of its kind to be hosted by Beijing since the, road initi- since the Belt and Road launch in 2013. Critics have long pointed to an opaque pricing for Belt and Road Initiative projects built by Chinese companies, with countries including Malaysia and Myanmar renegotiating deals to bring down costs. You realize how expensive those things are. Beijing has been forced to hand out billions of dollars in bailouts loans to BRI, to BRI countries in recent years to allow the countries to extend their loans and remain solvent, according to a joint report this year by the World Bank and other institutions. And China said this month that the BRI part- participants owed more than $300 billion to the Export-Import Bank of China. The initiative have also drawn scrutiny for its massive carbon footprint and environmental degradation uh, caused by massive infrastructure projects. The development of megaports, pipelines, railways, and highways could render the Paris climate goals unachievable. Researchers from China, the United States, and the United Kingdom warned in 2019. Even if you do as much damage as you can, like what they're doing right now, Like you can't, you can't make this stuff up. You can't even make this stuff up, man. You can't make stuff up because at the same time, as much as they want, as much as they want to change something, it just creates debt to other countries. That's already been riddled since the COVID nineteen pandemic. After COVID nineteen, it became much more worse. So, for China to do that kind of thing, the CCP, to be specific, is actually making it more harder on anybody. So it's really stupid that the, that the United States um, is smart enough that the United States are not actually supporting that. So that's what I really want it to happen is to not listen to what the Chinese Communist Party says and to, is to listen to your own gut instead of listen to them. That's the only best way I could put it. One dead, two injured in Hong Kong's after delivery van collides with double-decker bus. Out. What a bummer. One man died and two were left injured in Hong Kong after a delivery van collided head-on with a double-decker bus on Wednesday morning. The accident occurred near Chongqing bus terminus in Qingyi shortly before 11 a.m. on Wednesday. In a statement released on Wednesday evening, the police said the delivery van was thought to have lost control and skid, and skid while traveling along Qinghong Road. It then swerved into a, to the opposite traffic lane and crashed into a double-decker Kowloon Motor Bus, or KMB. KMB said the bus traveling along Route 43 between Tingyi and Chenwan and Chenwan West Station was leaving the Chongqing bus terminus as the delivery van mounted the divider and crashed into the bus, RTHK reported. Images from the scene shared online show the delivery van lying on its side and the bus and the bus windshield shattered after the crash. Flyers were strewn across the road as firefighters attempted to rescue people trapped inside the, inside the van. The fire state services department told Hong Kong Press that they had received a call about the incident at 10.57 a.m. and arrived at the scene at 11.01 a.m. The van's, drive, the van's driver and a passenger was, were retrieved from the vehicle and sent to hospitals. 
The passenger, a 56-year-old surname Yao, sustained body injuries and was sent to Yangchai, to Yangchai Hospital in Qinwan, Qinwan where he was pronounced dead upon arrival. Police, police said the van, dri- the van driver and the KMB dri- bus driver both received multiple body injuries and were sent to Princess Margaret Hospital in Kwai Chum in a conscious state, police said. The delivery van driver, a 53-year-old man surnamed Sin, was arrested on suspicion of drug dri- of drug driving, um, drug or drunk driving, national drug driving, and causing death by dr- by dangerous driving after failing a police drug test. Ergo confirms it. He has been detained for further investigation. Police said the latter offense, if convicted, is punishable by up to ten years in prison. Some part of it would have been murdered if that happens. If just because it caused someone death, one person to die. There will be something in the court where they can look at. Now, this will have to go to civil court, not a constitutional style um, higher up. So, this is up to, th- it's up to them if anything would happen. So, hopefully, the family are safe and, and they can, you know, rest assurance about what's going on. And to so the person that, um, that died from the crash, that died on arrival... All my heartfelt um, sympathy to you guys. Empathy to you guys. So hopefully you guys, you know, are staying safe. Hong Kong student shot by police during the 2019 protest, jailed for three and a half years for rioting, assaulting officer. A Hong Kong man who was shot by police during the National Day protest in 2019 has been sentenced to three and a half years in prison for rioting and assaulting a police officer. Wearing a white shirt with his hair in with his long hair and a bun, Chang Chi King, who was 18 at the time of the incident, appeared in front of Judge Ada Yim at West Kowloon Magistrate's Court for a district court case on Wednesday. He pleaded guilty to both charges last month. Chang was caught up in a clash between protesters and police on October 1, 2019, when the city saw a widespread demonstration to mourn National Day amidst protests sparked by a controversial amendment to the city's extradition bill. That day, an officer fired a live round at Chang at close range in Chinwan. He was shot in the left in, in his left lung, three centimeters from his heart, leaving him in the hospital in critical condition. He later went through surgery to remove the bullet. When providing reason for the forty for forty two month for the forty second month sentence, Yim said some people some two hundred people had gathered at the intersections along Harpa Road. At around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, on the afternoon in question, people threw petrol bombs and bricks and lit fires. Yim said they did not relent even as police tried to disperse the protesters. Chang was wearing a black T-shirt, goggles, a respirator, and gloves at the time, and also had a makeshift shield. Yim added, "The friend, now 22 years old, was a Form 6 school of Form 6 student at the time, and had no prior criminal record." He was also diagnosed with depression in 2017. His parents, teachers, and principals spoke favorably of him. It appears as the court to deliver him a lighter sentence. Yim said Zhang's cooperated with police during the investigation and wrote his own plea letter that he regret his actions and was swayed by the social societal atmosphere at the time. But she said Zhang's depression and his injury from being shot was not reasons for a lower penalty. Yim delivered a sentence. 40 months for the riot charge and 7 months for the assaulting an, an officer charge. The sentences were to be served concurrently, barring 2 of two of the months 
totaling a final jail term of 42 months. While a UK-based advocacy group said in 2020 that Zhang had left Hong Kong and gone to exile, he was arrested with three others in Sai Kung last July, doing a planned escape to Taiwan by boat. Before that, the four had spent two years hiding in a safe house. Safe houses, police said. Police said four were shuttled between safe houses and cardboard boxes. A group was supporting them with crowdfunded money. Police said they had stopped giving them food or paying rent. The four and a man who said to have helped conceal them have been charged with covering the course of justice. Fum Qinghua, who was among those in hiding with Zhang, was sentenced to four years in jail last month for rioting and perverting the course of justice. Yim was set to hand down sentences for perverting the course of justice for Zhang and the remaining defendants later on Wednesday. Now, during that time, a lot of stuff going on. It was crazy amount of stuff going on. And it was nuts that it was nuts that the police shot a a protester in front of the cameras. So whatever happened to them, they see it. Can there be any doubts though that that these police officers using aggressive forces? Detained ex-editor of Hong Kong's Apple Daily newspaper issues an apology over false Chinese espionage allegations. The former editor in chief of defunct pro-democracy newspaper Apodale has issued a public apology for publishing reports alleging that two business executives were Chinese spies when the pair was involved in an espionage investigation in Taiwan four years ago. The statement from editor-in-chief Ryan Law came days after travel bans barring Chinese businessman Xiang Xing and his wife Kum Qing from leaving Taiwan were lifted. Law, who has been detained since June 2021 over a national security case, published an apology in Ming Pao on Tuesday night, saying that Apple, the Apple Daily's report alleging that Xiang and Kum were Chinese intelligence agents were completely incorrect and seriously untrue. Law was one of the six Apple Daily staff who pled guilty in a landmark national security case last November to, conspire, to conspiring to commit collusion with a foreign country. He is set to testify during the trial against the newspaper founder, Jamie Lai, which is set to get underway in December. So for those who don't know, pro-democracy tabloid Apple Daily released its final edition on June 24, 2021, just days after hundreds of police officers raided its newsroom and senior executives were arrested. It was the first case in which authorities cited media articles as potentially violating the national security law. Lai, 75 years old, has been detained since December 2020. He faces three charges under the Beijing imposed national security law related to collusion with foreign forces, as well as one count one charge under the colonial era sedition legislation. The Apple Daily reports were published between November 23, 2019 and December 7, 2019, when the pair was first arrested in Taiwan in connection with a Chinese espionage case. Xiang and Kum, who respectively served as chairman and alternative board member of China, China Innovation Investment Limited, a Hong Kong listed company, were initially arrested at Taoyuan's International Airport in November 2019 as they were about to fly to Hong Kong. Their arrest came after Wang Li Chiang, a self-professed Chinese spy turned asylum seeker in Australia, named Xiang Investment Firm in the allegations about Chinese effort to influence Taiwanese elections and, and interfere in Hong Kong's affairs, according to Taiwan Central News Agency, or CNA. No charges were filed against them in the espionage case, 
but a travel ban was kept in place as they were awaiting tri- as they were awaiting trial in a separate money laundering case that prosecutors brought against them in April 2021. Shang Kung were cleared of the charge when the Taipei District Court ruled that there were insufficient evidence. But the prosecution appealed that decision and took the case to Taiwan's High Court, which upheld the rulings but retained the travel ban for another eight months. Nevich returned to Hong Kong last week after nearly four years in Taiwan, CNN reported. In an apology, Law spoke on behalf of the defunct media outlet and saying that there, that no prior verification investigations or citation were made before publishing the false news report. He also said it was untrue that Xiang and Kum were Chinese intelligence officers acting under instructions under the from the Chinese Com- from the Communist Party of China, the People's Liberation Army, or the P- or the POA General Staff Department. Therefore, I hereby apologize to the above-mentioned companies, Mr. Shang Xing and Ms. Kum Qing, for the above completely uh, incorrect and seriously untrue report these statements read. This will, anyone can have no interpretation, but for that person to apologize, that's just embarrassing in my opinion. I don't know how scared you would be, but whatever the case may be, I don't know. I can't make, I can't judge on what his apology would be like. So I'm just hoping that everyone can understand that we don't know if they're spies or not. It turns out it could be true if that happens, right? And Deb Chinese property developer Country Garden denies founders chairwoman have fled country. Chinese property giant Country Garden had uh, denied Thursday its founder and chairwoman had fled the country as the Deb um, saddled builder flirts with a default that could send shockwaves throughout the, through the industry. One of the China, one of China's biggest developers, Country Garden, has racked up debts estimated at one point forty three trillion yuan, which is about one hundred and ninety six billion dollars at the end of twenty twenty two. Unverified reports this week claim claim founder Yang Guo Chang and his daughter Yang Hui Yan, the the company's chairwoman, had left China. But the firm quashed the speculation. <laughs> Thursday saying the founder and the group's chair of the board of directors are currently working normally inside the country. This rumor was posted with ulterior motives on multiple online platforms, causing a negative impact, the firm said in an online statement. We reserve the right to take legal action over malicious, over malicious rumors, it added. Yang Hui Yan took over as a chair of Country Garden in March after her father stepped down from his position on the board. She previously boasted the title of China's richest woman after inheriting, inheriting her father's shares in, 20, in 2007. But companies are now on the front lines of China's property crisis that has a string that has seen a string of debt-laden laden builders either defaulting or threatening to do so. Bloomberg News reported last month that the billionaire boss a um, beleaguered builder China Evergrande, which defaulted in 2021, was being held by police. Country Garden was due Wednesday to repay $15.4 million in interest, but has not given an official indiction, uh, indication of whether it has done so by Thursday morning. However, the company told Bloomberg that it expect, expects that it won't be able to meet all of its offshore payments obligations on time. It blames its struggles on deep correction in China's home markets 
and subdue its sales. Country Gardens held 148 billion yuan in cash as the as of as of the end of June. It said it intends to use the funds to complete unfinished housing projects, whose units were sold in advance. A common business model in China's property sector, the industry boasted decades of soaring growth that buoyed, that buoyed, thousands of companies and became a major source of employment. Today, constructions and real estate accounts for around a quarter of gross G,、uh, domestic product or GDP. But authorities are now on edge as creeping debt crisis fueled buyers' mistrust, since home prices plummeting and threatened to infect others,、um, infect other sectors. Official figures released Thursday showed that the prices of new homes fell in September in 54 out of 70 benchmark cities, compared benchmark cities compared to previous months. Year on year, prices were lower in 45 out of 70 survey cities. Despite a slew of official measures this year to shore up the ailing markets, China's economy grew a forecast beating 4.9 percent in the third quarter. Official data showed Wednesday. This expansion adds to an, a series of broad, broadly positive recent readings, indicating a period of stability after months of weakness following the abolition of strict COVID health curbs. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Does it really change much? Not really, because if it really changed, it should have been something, right? So even if it changed, because those housing market bubble, which makes it more harder for people to buy a house, or even property development to even increase, really. So of course, it makes it much more difficult. We may sit here and say, "Well, we do that kind of thing," but it's not really easy, really. I'm just hoping China can understand that your COVID crap that you're trying to restrict it makes it much more hard for even anything for the economy to boost up again. China formally arrests Japanese man held held since March for quote-unquote espionage. China has formally arrested a Japanese man detained this year on an espionage allegations. Tokyo's embassy in Beijing said on Thursday, "We can confirm that the Japanese nas- national detained in March have been arrested." And if an embassy official said in a statement to AFP, China said in a, in March that the man was suspected of engaging in espionage activities. The man, an employee of Japanese pharmaceutical firm Astellas, w- has co- reportedly worked in China for two decades. He planned to return to Japan before his sudden detention, and was previously a senior executive of Japanese Chamber of Commerce in China, according to Kyoto Kyoto News Agency. Beijing Foreign Ministry said Thursday that it did not have more specific specific information on the case. This Japanese citizen has been subject to criminal coercive measures by relevant Chinese authorities, in accordance with the law. Ministry spokesperson Mao Ning said at a regular press briefing. As a country ruled by law, China will handle this case in accordance with, the, with law and protect the legitimate rights and interests of this person," she said. In October 2019, Chinese authorities detained a Chinese, a Japanese professor, reportedly on suspicion of spying. He was released. He was released and returned to Japan the following month. In March, in March 2020, China's foreign ministry said it had arrested a Chinese man reportedly working as a Chinese, <laughs> university officer in Japan, who they claim as. Has confessed 
to spying. Is it really confession or is it really just government coercion that they're making it look like they're actually sp- that they're actually spying on somebody? If they're saying what spy are they what country they're spying for? If you don't explain, how am I supposed to know what they're spying for? No, you're spying. I'm like, I want to know what country you're spying. Oh, you're spying. You're just going to keep explaining that over and over again. And I don't know who, what country they're spying for. Hong Kong court rejects civil servants' bid to challenge Ford's retirement after failing to take government's loyalty oath on time. <laughs> A Hong Kong civil servant who was forced to retire after failing to take the government's new loyalty oath on time has seen his attempt to challenge the move rejected in court. Wang Chaoming, report formerly employed in the Inland Revenue Department, saw his legal bid dismissed at the High Court on Thursday. The 47-year-old leave, the leave to appeal application centered around the government's ordering, or, ordering his retirement from his post as an assistant taxation officer in August 2021, after he failed to sign and return a government loyalty declaration that was made mandatory following the national security laws enactment. In an English judgment, Judge Russell Coleman wrote that Wong had ample time of four weeks when he was first notified about the oath-taking requirements, and yet he, w- he only made inquiries on the day of the deadline. Wong was also aware of the potential and serious consequences of any failure to return the signed declarations by the deadline, Coleman added. There is an illo- illogically in the idea that the applicants have been engaging in genuine inquiries or that there have been merely miscommunication or misinterpretation, Coleman wrote. According to the judgment, Wong was informed about the oath requirement via a letter from the Civil Service Bureau in January 2021. <laughs> On the morning of the deadline, about a month later, Wong returned the form but did not complete it, handwriting instead a number of comments questioning the necessity and urgency of signing the decorations as well as as well as how violations could be defined. The RFD replied the same day giving examples of what constitutes breaches, adding that if the declaration was not received, the government could initiate action to terminate his service. Wong exchanged a number of letters with the IRD and Civil Service Bureau, or CSB, over the few, next few months, in which he said there were still uncertainties in the declarations and that his concerns have not been addressed. He was told by IRD in April that he was interdicted from duty with effect. From the next from the next day, in response, Wong replied that he felt regret in the decision and that the decision was unfair. In May, the CSD, CSB told Wong it was considering requiring him to retire in the public interest before the decision was made final in August. Hong Kong announced in November 2020 that all civil servants would have to declare allegiance to the city as part of a new oath-taking requirements for employees. Even then, it sounds it sounds silly because there's no point. I know you may say, well, about the United States, you do the same thing. Well, it's not like you can't. It happens, right? Contract staff working for the government, but who were, but who were not employed on the civil service terms, were also required to sign the declarations. The government said in May 2021, foreigners working for the Education Bureau were also, were, would also be required to sign.
Doth involves a promise to uphold the city's basic law, bear allegiance to Hong Kong, and be dedicated to the duties and be responsible to the Hong Kong government. Almost 130 civil servants who neglected or refused to duly sign and return the declaration without reasonable explanation have left their jobs, according to figures revealed in the Legislative Council in June 2022. A total of 535 other government workers also quit or were let go. According to the judgment, Wong has been working with the, at the IRD, IRD since 1996. He was ordered to pay legal costs up to judicial reviews. <laughs> so the guy who works in the in the sector itself for nearly for until all the way from nineteen almost close to twenty six years or twenty eight years, who knows? But if I'm wrong, then let me know. He been working there since nineteen ninety six. So basically, after before the British even before uh, Britain returned China, Hong Kong to China. So it's shocking for people who worked there for the longest time ever to actually being let go like that, which shows that the true nature of what the government's doing. You show loyalty, don't show loyalty, you get nothing. You don't show loyalty, it means you're anti-China, you're in part of an anti-China forces, which of course is already known is already baloney. By not by not supporting the Chinese government, it just sounds ridiculous. Can you can you can you fathom if it was if it was supporting the Republican Party or Democrat Party? Because it was not the same. It is the same. Why you may ask? It's because Chris and the government or not supporting what the government does is you can swear you swear an oath to protect the country or protect the land or protect something like that. But by simply saying by sim- by simply saying I only respect the government it doesn't work that way. It doesn't seem, in my opinion, it doesn't seem genuine. Even you may sound make it sound genuine, it doesn't make any sense to me in the perspective that I see it. So ASEAN countries about Hong Kong itself and all this other stuff. So ASEAN countries a priority. Hong Kong's John Leaf eyes future visits. Trade stronger ties with Southeast, Southeast Asia. Hong Kong will eye stronger economic trade ties with the member states of the of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, the city leader said on Thursday. John Lee vowed to prioritize future visits to Southeast Asia. Lee met the press in Beijing on Thursday after he led a 70-strong delegation to a Belt and Road Forum hosted by Chinese leader Xi Jinping to mark the 10th anniversary of the vast infrastructure project. The two-day forum, which which concluded on Wednesday, hosted representatives of 130 countries as she announced over $100 billion, which is about $782 billion in Hong Kong, of new funding for the projects. Speaking to reports in Cantonese, Lee said he was thrilled by the success of the decade-long initiative and Xi's action plan. His administration is determined to became a become a hub that facilitates cooperation and exchange between Belt and Road countries, he said. <laughs> Hong Kong will leverage its unique strength under the One Country, Two Systems principle to contribute to the Belt and Road Initiative, Lee said in Cantonese. Asked about his plans for future vi- foreign visits, Lee said eight ASEAN countries remains his priority. 
in July, Lee visited Singapore, Indonesia, and Malaysia, all member states of ASEAN, to seek more business opportunities in the region. ASEAN is the second largest trading partner of Hong Kong. Our ties and cooperations and trade could be developed infinitely, he said. I plan to visit other ASEAN countries to bring us closer together and strive for Hong Kong's swift accessions to RCEP, Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. He added, the RCEP is a free trade agreement between ASEAN and five Asian Pacific countries, including China, Japan, and Australia. Askapi plans to visit other countries and rebuild ties with the West. The chief executive said that he has plans for trips to, middle, to the Middle East and Europe, and the latter remains an important market. He did not give further details. The Bill and Rule Initiative, one of Xi's, one of Xi's signature foreign policies, has seen Beijing invest in infrastructures in over 100 countries, many of them in the Global South. Supporters of the strategy said it helps boost trade and raise gross domestic products of participating nations. <laughs> Chris, however, had called it a Trojan horse designed to increase China's influence, claiming it's a case of debt trap diplomacy. Last week, Beijing released a white paper saying that the initiative had, genuate, had generated more than $2 trillion. That would be about $15 trillion in Hong Kong and contracts in more than 130 countries. Lee remarks came days after he met Thai, um, Thai Prime Minister Sita Fabisin in Hong Kong when the pair agreed to promote more exchanges. Lee said during a weekly press conference last Tuesday. During his, visit, during his July visit to Singapore, Lee signed seven agreements with Singaporean Prime Minister Lee Sin Long on improving cooperation and trade, and trade between the two Asian, Asian finance hubs. Meanwhile, Lee, who is under U.S. sanctions for his role of the handling of the 2019 pro-democracy protests, will be barred from entering the U.S. to attend the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, or EPEC, for a meeting in San Francisco this November. The Washington Post reported in July citing sources. Speaking to reporters on Thursday, the chief executive also said that three new cooperation agreements relating to medical technology, innovation, and technology and investments were signed during the two-day forum. The deal were valued at $450 million, which is about $3.5 billion in Hong Kong, Lee said. I don't know how much mu- exactly how much that Hong Kong have knowledge with that. It's frequently unknown, so we don't know what they're actually doing or what they're actually trying to bring depth to Hong Kong. Because especially when they're riddled, still riddled, currently still riddled, with debt because of the COVID-19 pandemic. I don't know how much Hong Kong can take, how much Hong Kong can hold, how much Hong Kong can actually deal with all the situations that they're, you know, they're having right now. I don't know about that. So, even if I trust what the government does, it doesn't change much, really. It doesn't change my perspectives. Even if my criticism is low or, or whatever, it doesn't change much, really. Cause you know how much I am criticizing the government all day. We can sit here. We can sit here. Even if you may say, "Well, if you sit here and criticize the government, does it really change much?" At least it keeps the government in check. Know what they're doing. Know what they're up to. So we can make sure that they don't actually screw up the situation. Even in fact, they're already having a problem already anyway. So I don't know how um, they're going to fix it, but God knows what they're going to do, right? So hopefully, Hong Kong himself. 
are not involving in what the situation between Beijing and Russia or United States problem. I mean, I mean the chief executive already sanctioned, so who really cares about what he thinks? And we'll tell you more after the break. Welcome back. Russia has Vladimir Putin hails unprecedented energy ties between Beijing and Moscow during China's visit. Russian President Vladimir Putin hailed Thursday the unprecedented energy links between Moscow and Beijing despite failing to secure a much-sought agreement on a major ga- new gas pipeline. Russia has been hit by massive Western sanctions over the Ukraine offensive, and with Europe trying to sever its energy links with, Mos- with Moscow, the Kremlin has locked eastward to replace crucial lost export revenue. Relations in the overall partnership and strategic cooperation between the Russian Federation and the Chinese People's Republic had reached an unprecedented high level and continued to develop uh, dynamically, put in a statement addressing a Russian-Chinese energy forum in Beijing. One of the key areas of, the, of this relationship is energy cooperation, which is becoming increasingly active, he added. Putin was wrapping up a two-day visit to China, his first outside the former Soviet Union this year, and part of the Kremlin's drive to strengthen its economic partnerships across Asia. But the trip appeared not to have led to a breakthrough for Beijing over the power of Siberia 2 gas pipeline, a massive new gas link to China through Mongolia that Russia wants to build. Initiative would export gas from China's Siberian um, Siberian fields that used to supply Europe, potentially doubling the volumes Russia can send to China's via pipeline. On Tuesday, Putin has assured his Mongolian counterparts that an agreement of power up Siberia too, would, uh, which would pass through the steeps of Mongolia to reach northeast China, was on track. Everyone agrees with this project. It's questions of implementation. I think we will move forward at a good a good pace, he said. Moscow hopes to start building the pipeline in 2024, but there's no public statements from Russian or Chinese officials that a deal has been reached during Putin's time in Beijing. The head of the Russian gas company, Gazprom, Alexei Miller, held on Thursday a 46.6% increase in exports through the existing power of, Siber- of Siberia pipeline so far this year. Russia launched that pipeline in 2019 under a landmark 30-year contract worth $400 billion. The power of Siberia is ramping up to a maximum capacity of 38 billion cubic meter per year. So this is less than the 55 BCM capacity of each of the two Nord Stream pipelines between Russia and Germany. Europe, Europe cuts its pipeline imports from Russia after Moscow launches offensive in Ukraine, while blasts to a Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines last September could have put them permanently out of operation. Russia have also significantly boosted its oil exports to China, often selling at a discount amidst a price cap on Russia's seaborne crude ex- export being imposed by G7, EU, and Australia. The head of Russia uh, Russian oil company Rosneft, Igor Sechin, told the same energy forum where Putin was speaking. Over 75% of Russia's export to neighboring China are energy linked. 
said that Russia was China's main oil supplier in 2023, overtaking Saudi Arabia. Wow, look at those two. I don't know how much they're going to fail, or how much they're going to screw up, or how much is going to change. We don't know yet, so we're going to see how it goes, right? Hong Kong Protomoxy ex-district counselors among four arrested on fraud charges. Four people, four more people have been arrested over complaints related to allegedly selling pensions funds without a valid license, including at least three former Democratic district counselors turned insurance agents. Following the arrest of Derek Chu, a Democrat and former former Hong Kong district counselors, on on Tuesday over allegedly promoting and selling mandatory provident fund schemes without a valid license, Former people were apprehended on fraud charges on on Wednesday and Thursday. After further investigation, police said Chu was suspected of involving in a separate charge of, of fraud. He was later released on Lily's bail without a charge. Among those arrested on Tuesday and Wednesday were Young Yo Sunny Chu, both former Democrat um Democratic district councillors. Young Yo is a as a former member as a former district councillor representing for the ADPL. And Sunny Chiu, both former Democrat, a person with knowledge of the matter, told Hong Kong Free Press, the two remain were uh, two, the two two were sons of Janet M, current vice chairwoman of um Sam District Council and a former member of pro democracy defunct uh, part uh, civic party. In response to inquiries by Hong Kong Free Press, police said they had received complaints regarding individuals promoting MPF schemes on social media and doing events without a valid MPF and intermediary license. Police confirmed they were they arrested four men ages 31 to 38 on Wednesday and Thursday on suspicion of conspiracy to, get, to defraud and fraud. Their homes and offices were searched with a warrant and documents and digital devices were seized. Chu's girlfriend updated his, prof, his Facebook page on Wednesday afternoon to that Chu was at a police station with his lawyer. Please allow us some time and space. We have taken your note of your concern. Please wait for him to be released before we report on his safety, the Chinese language post said. Democrats won a landslide victory in the 2019 district council election, taking control of 17 of, of the city's 18 district bodies. However, many pro-democracy district councillors left their positions in 2021 after a new oath was introduced to weed out unpatriotic representatives. Some former district councilors later turned to other occupations, becoming insurance agents and financial advisors. According to um, in media, Young, the former chairman of the San Street Pole District Councilor, joined a multinational company, Munir Life, as an insurance agent a few months after quitting as a district councilor in 2021. He also worked with other ex-district councilors who also became insurance agents, including Chu, to form a community and financial planning team to serve to serve residents in Sam Shui Po. Yun said they focused on educating low-income workers about MPF, as many lack knowledge of the pension scheme, fund scheme. According to Chu's Facebook account, he is a financial planner for Manulife and also a real estate agent. According to the Mandatory Provident Fund Scheme Authority, individuals must pass a qualifying examination and be registered by the MPFA to sell MPF. Companies should make sure their employees involved in MPF sales have passed the relevant exams and complete registration. Hong Kong Professor reached out to Menu Life and MPFA for comments. 
promoting MPF sales at a community level was attacked by pro-establishment figures late, late last month. Dominic Lee, current legislative counselor, and, and also a member of the pro-establishment New, Pe- New People's Party, and Civil Force as well, said in a commentary published by state-backed Chinese-language newspaper, One Way Poll, we expect, that some former district counselors were lurking in the community under the guises of selling insurance and dealing with MPF accounts for residents. Lee accused this of being quote-unquote soft resistance, a vague term used by government officials and post-session figures to condemn activities deemed to be against the local, sor- the local government or PG. Authorities should, look close- should closely monitor the activities of the so-called community work by anti-China rioters in Hong Kong. Lee wrote, if any illegal activities were detected, law enforcement action should be taken immediately. Okay, here's, ha- here's the problem I have here. <laughs> If you're saying that if you're saying these guys are actually soft resistance because they keep I hear that all the time and it's almost annoying. They keep saying soft resistance, soft resistance. It's like the it's like we're living in a cultural revolution where they can call names or something. Call whoever they want. I mean they can sit here and call it. They can go ahead and do it. Cause they're gonna have to answer the questions that to resonate soon. Okay? So for Hong Kong pe- for these you no know, dark government officials like Dominic Lee himself. I don't care if you're older than I am. But at least, for me, I have a brain, for goodness sake. That I know that what is true, what is not true. Whether or not if you actually, whether or not if I believe it or not. This is up to what I think, not what, what they think the government says. Because they can say anything, because they can pretty much say anything you want. And I think it's uh, for them. It's been truth true and everything. It's because the court right now. I don't know how much they're controlling, but becoming much more tougher and much more harder for the political atmosphere to even flow up a little, literally. So. Hong Kong man battling terminal cancer donates $800,000 to Child Cancer Fund. A 28-year-old man battling terminal cancer in Hong Kong has donated $800,000 to, ch- to a children's cancer charity. With a message to the youngsters fighting the disease, please always believe in your ability to recover. Gabriel Young, who was diagnosed with terminal stomach and liver cancer last year, announced his donations to the Children's Cancer Foundation. Hong Kong on social media on Thursday. A friend familiar with Young's situation told Hong Kong Free Press on Friday that that Young has been hospitalized for treatment and there was no medical update from his doctors. In a public social media post, the University of Hong Kong's graduate described the pain of battling terminal cancer and receiving chemotherapy since his diagnosed his diagnosis last year. Apart from struggling with side effects, it robs one of basic dignity as a human being as well as the ability to speak, Young wrote in, in English. At his moment, what I desire most is for this world to be free of cancer and other illnesses, the post reads. I'm very grateful for the support from my family, friends, and colleagues, and everyone around me. I would like to leave why I can't why I can't take away to the children who are briefly fighting against cancer. 
I made a donations of eight hundred thousand dollars to the Children's Cancer Foundation Hong Kong to support the work of the organization. Yuan wrote in a voice note shared with the media by his friends. Yuan said children battling cancer suffered more, but they were also also braver, also braver than he were also braver than he was because they were supposed to be enjoying a carefree childhood. But they have to face the hardship of going through cancer. That's why I decided to support them. You don't say in Cantonese. The Children's Cancer Foundation Hong Kong provides cancer care with young patients and their families. The organization expresses gratitude to Young and sent him a gift and appreci- appreciation according to social media posts. Young also said that ch- children fighting the disease should always believe in their ability to recover. Even though the journey is excruciating, as long as they don't give up. Have faith in your recovery, and perhaps one day a miracle may happen," he said. Vera Chen, CEO of Children's Cancer Foundation Hong Kong, told Hong Kong Press on Friday that she was very grateful for Gabriel's donation, adding that it would help lighten the heavy financial burden faced by families of young cancer patients. He has proposed that the full amount of the donations would be used to sponsor drugs for. The children with cancer, Chen said, and Kenton needs over the phone. Currently, the foundation allocates around three million to four million dollars per year for drug sponsorships. He said, applications for drug sponsorship range range from ten thousand to eight hundred thousand dollars. Chen said, adding that sometimes the cost could even exceed that. Over the past four four to five years, we have received around forty to fifty percent applications per year. Chen said, "Last year there were around 180 new cases of cancer patients under the age of 18, meaning that one in four children with cancer may need drug sponsorship. Certain drugs for cancer therapy were not on a list of subsidized treatments and could cost millions of dollars." Chen said, "This causes a heavy burden, a financial toll to the family." She added. Chen said the broader message brought by Young's donation that was that every child, cha- uh, every child battling cancer, should be given a choice for a suitable treatment, which could alleviate the pain of chemotherapy and minimize the possibility of long-term impacts of cancer. Best medication is not always affordable, she added. In a separate voice note shared with the media on Friday, Christine Kwok, Young's fiance. Said that she was grateful for Yo's action and inspiring others to show children and other pa- cancer patients how to carry on. Kwok said in Cantonese, "Is exactly the message that Gabriel would like to spread the would like to spread the most." What a generous person ever, and I'm 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 very happy that we have good people like him to do these kind of things. Because without people like him, it wouldn't be it wouldn't make it possible, and people like him. Care so much about their children and care so much about what they feel. It is one of the you know the most greatest thing that we ever see. No matter what, and, and the truth is, no matter what the kids are going through, they deserve to live more than anyone else. They should enjoy childhood. No matter what, man, sh- they should be. I I know I shouldn't say the word man, but at the same time, they should be able to enjoy life more than anyone else, more than even me. More than what any young old people would do. 
and someone and for someone who's not enjoying life and the money that they get is not fun, it's one of the activists himself. Hong Kong activist Dixon Chow fined ten thousand five hundred dollars for violating COVID nineteen mask mandate. A Hong Kong pro democracy activist has been found guilty of violating the COVID COVID mask mandate while rallying outside court in in February as the city's largest national security trial got underway. It was ordered to pay a fine of $10,500. Dixon Chow, vice chair of the League of Social Democrats, appeared before Magistrate PUU at Kowloon City's Magistrate's Courts on Friday. Chow pleaded not guilty to the ticket of charge this June. Chow was handed a $5,000 fine on February 6th for allegedly removing his mask outside the West Kowloon Law Courts building, where he and two fellow members from the pro-democracy group Stage protests as the, as the landmark national security trial involving 47 Democrats began. Chow refused to pay the fine in June, claiming that it amounted to political oppression. Last month, he said his persecution was a violation of freedom of speech and, free, and freedom to demonstrate. Magistrate Yu said he acknowledged that Chu was seen pulling down his mask to shout for five seconds, but that the issue was not was not with the durations of the that Chow had the mask off, but rather whether he had a reasonable argument f- for doing so. If he has a reasonable argument, he could have his mask down for fi- more than five seconds, and it would not be le- illegal, he said in Cantonese. He also pointed out that Chow did not testify or call on any wit- witnesses to demonstrate that he had a reason to take off his mask, for instance. If he- his microphone was broken, and he had to speak without a mask to ensure he could be heard. Chow said in the court last month that it was not the constitutionality of the mask mandate that he doubted, but the police enforcement of proportionality principle. He also cited the case in which the city's top court ruled peaceful demonstration was a constitutional right, and the court should give such freedom to of a generous and of generous interpretation. In mitigation, Chow said he was exercising his right to peaceful assembly and demonstration and had to take off his mask and take his mask off to ensure that he could speak clearly. What what else would I have not to have taken a what else would I have taken a mask for? To chat? For fun? To take take a selfie, he asked. I believe it's hard for the court to understand the fear experienced by four or f- uh three to f- three or four people surrounded by sorry to four police officers. Any or even obstructions that would co- that would cause. I don't think that I would have ever taken a judicial notice. Chow also asked the magistrate to consider that the mask ban imposed in July 2020 was lifted in in March, a month after he was originally charged. A ban on mask wearing at rallies, which was introduced in October 2019, amidst a months-long pro-democracy protest, remains in place. The activist was eventually ordered to pay $10,500 fine, $5,000 for the offense, another $5,000 for the the convicted, and $500 in legal fees. Chang LSD chairperson Chang Poying Poying, rallied outside the courthouse after Friday's hearing with a banner that reads, Freedom of protest must not be denied. Shame on political persecution. Pandemic control by name. Oppression and abuse of mass order and reality. Outside, outside the courthouse, he added that even the government officials were unmasked at the Hong Kong 7th last November, when COVID rules remained in place. 
Chow said he would examine the ruling and seek legal advice on whether to and where to appeal the verdict. Which makes it even more absurd because at the same time, mass mandates have already been passed. There was almost um no reason or even a leak um legality of it, right? There's no um there's no legality legality of for them to do that kind of thing. It's either they do it because of a vendetta or they do it in a way where it makes it more hard for anyone to demonstrate. So they should have a right up full up full demonstration nonetheless. I don't think there's any reason for the government or anyone really to actually to actually literally tell them, hey you can't demonstrate. You can't demonstrate, you can't demonstrate, you can't demonstrate this. Oh you can't demonstrate that. Or you can't demonstrate this, you can't demonstrate that. You know, it's patently it's patently absurd of what these governments are doing. So anytime they want to have a rally or whatever, they're gonna to have to go through a lot of, of of work to get these government officials to wake the freaking heck up. Because the governments, the governments can open the mask. But at the same time, the Hong Kong residents and normal people cannot open the mask, which really is hypocritical. That they're not allowed to do this. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And the thing is, they're trying to make it more harder for anyone to even do it. Also, if he, if he's appealing against the court, I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it. But hopefully, they can actually, hopefully he can actually do it. And I'm hoping he can be, um, you know, have his legal, have his legal bed being protected with a legal advisor. Simply removing a mask for five seconds isn't gonna hurt anybody. You're just doing this, open your mask, and then shout and put it back on. And then you'll be fined like $10,500. It sounds really ridiculous. Could you imagine, because America, could you imagine in America you'd be doing that kind of thing? Man, you're going to be ripped apart if that happens. I'm not saying you, you're not going to be ripped apart, but you can, I can guarantee you they're going to rip you apart. It's because of that, because of that, because of this conduct that the government's doing. It's basically how do you chase a person for mo- removing his mask and you don't and you don't literally arrest anybody for anything else? Because it doesn't make it doesn't really make sense to me. For you, you may say, "Well, it makes sense for every single purposes that they had." For me, it doesn't make sense because by simply by simply by simply saying that, well, they they don't they have the rights. They don't have the right to do it kind of thing. They don't have the right to open the mask or anything like that. Because these guys who actually take out a mask and just scream or whatever the case may be. It, they have to, they have all the rights that they can do it. And they don't need a, they don't need a, a government official or any government organizations telling them that they can't do it. Or a law enforcement to do, stop them from doing it. They're not, they don't need to do that. That's just that's just the way it should. That's the, that's the, that's just to flat out the truth in my my own neck of the woods, right? Because if they can't express themselves, so we can, and the governments just don't know how to handle freedom of speech really. So what do you guys think? Should we talk? Should the government charge them just over something outrageous like that?
make sure you guys can talk more about it and have that conversation on all opinions to yourself. And thank you for tuning in, guys. If you guys enjoy this podcast, make sure you tune in every Monday and Friday for our podcast. Of course, we have um, a lot of stuff that's coming up. So, hope you guys can you have a radio show that's coming up next week. So, hope you guys can join in on that. And we'll talk more and have more information, all, you know, the fun stuff that we're going to be talking about. And that's it for today. And we'll talk more next time. This is Team Cat Home, my radio. Sign out. Sign, sign out. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Take care. Cat host my radio. It's on on every Monday and every Friday. Cat host my radio. Welcome to the show. Thank you.